You're Going to Die, the podcast is brought to you by YG2D, a 501c3 nonprofit bringing diverse communities creatively into the conversation of death and dying, inspiring life by unabashedly sourcing our shared mortality. To find out more, visit www.yg2d.com. When I messaged Adrienne Marie Brown and asked if she wanted to be on the show and she replied with, I'd love to, capital L-O-V-E, I got full body chills, legitimately. And by the way, those chills didn't stop there. Just wait until you listen to this conversation. actually did get full body chills like repeatedly throughout this conversation with Adrian Marie Brown and I didn't tell her <laughs> this is my way Adrian of saying oh my goodness full body chills and I cried and I laughed and welcome to that experience that you're about to listen to Adrian Marie Brown I don't think I need to do much of an introduction for Adrian. I imagine if you're listening, you may already know about them and their work in the world. And if you don't, then welcome to this introduction of them into your life and good news for you. I want you to know, though, before you listen to this conversation, a couple of references. We talk about their book, Emergent Strategy. We talk about pleasure activism a little bit. We talk about grievers. These are all books that you should absolutely read, but you don't need to have read them for this conversation. Just know that these are the books that get referenced here. And then go to Adrian's website after the episode's over and get those books for yourself. Additionally, I want to mention that we talk about Alexis Pauline Gums, referred to them by their first name, and Prentice Hemphill referred to them by their first name. And I'm telling you that because I guess I just want to say, oh my goodness, love being connected to this network of humans. Prentice and Alexis have been on the podcast in the past. And so it means a lot to be like on the outskirts of this community, by the way, some of which hang out together and cook and make dinner, um, which is what I learned from Adrian while we were talking. So just just some things to keep in mind. So when you hear those names, you absolutely should go listen to those episodes and also check out their work as well. But I think that's, I think that's all the stuff just to keep in mind. I want to acknowledge during this time, I love this conversation because that's where Adrian and I start. And I feel like the whole way through this conversation, we are not just connecting it in a way that I think is timeless, in a way that this conversation for me will always matter to listen to it and get the medicine needed in the ways we're in our life ongoing. But it felt especially powerful to talk to Adrian over the last couple of weeks with what's going on in Israel and Palestine. And so I want to invite you into that space, that kind of conversation where it will connect with you, I think, in, in ways that matter. I mean, it certainly did for me. So welcome. Oh, and by the way, this is Ned Buskirk. I'm your host of your favorite Creatively Conscious Mortality podcast, <laughs> You're Going to Die, the podcast. Uh, that might have been the longest I've ever waited to introduce myself. But anyway, welcome. You're here. We are so glad you're here. We're so glad to be in your ears. Adrienne Marie Brown grows healing ideas in public through her multi-genre writing, her music, and her podcasts. Informed by 25 years of movement facilitation, somatics, and Octavia E. Butler scholarship, and her work as a doula, Adrienne has nurtured emergent strategy, pleasure activism, radical imagination, and transformative justice as ideas and practices for transformation. She is the author-editor of several published texts, co-generator of a tarot deck, and a developing musical ritual. I hope you enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with Adrian Marie Brown. Oh, well, I feel softened by your, your tenderness, and I feel... Today has felt more solid. Um, you know, I think October 7th felt like ex this sort of explosive energy into particles and trying to regather those particles and figure out what of this is 
my own trauma? What if this is my imperial guilt? What if this is my responses to violence? What if this is my solidarity work with Palestine? What is this? What what are all the moving parts here? And I've been really grateful that I have a lot of practice in, in solidarity, both like receiving solidarity and practicing solidarity. I've been really reflecting on that today. I'm writing something about it because I think it gives me ground when nothing else gives me ground. So like last week I was a mess. I could not function. I was, you know, when, when there's a war unfolding or moving in that direction and it feels like the U S is involved, there's some part of me that is like, I will stop this with my bare hands. Like I will say the word, do the action, have the thing, you know, like there's some way that, I have to stop this and it becomes its own egoistic uh, like grab within me. And it helps me so much to be like, no, you will not like humble yourself. You're not even at the center of this. Like you're in this, but you're not at the center of this. Mm -hmm. Who is closer to the center? Who's at the center? And what does your empathy need to do? What does your solidarity need to do? And so, you know, initially it was like, okay, what do I have to, I had to come up with the right words. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, no, you don't, but you can talk to the right people. So, you know, I, I got to have public conversations with Lara Kiswani from Arab Resource and Organizing Center. And then with, um, a dear old friend, Morgan Basakis from Jewish Voice for Peace. Mm -hmm. And both of the conversations were really grounding for me because it was like, there's just a clear ask and there's it, you know, it takes something that feels so complicated and it's like, it's not that complicated in terms of what, what you have to do as a human being right Mm. now. Like it's complicated perhaps in terms of what you feel and how relationships shape that. But in terms of like your value as a human being, my value as a human being from the very beginning of my life has been, I don't want genocide. I don't want people killed in my name. I don't want eradication of any people. And, you know, I grew up, my, my father was in the military for 30 years and I actually grew, I spent half of my life, my, my young life in Germany. And I went to Auschwitz. I went to Bergen-Belsen. I went and I learned the history of extermination and what it, what it looks like and what the citizens do when extermination is unfolding. And it made a really big imprint on me when I was very, very, very young. Mm -hmm. And so last like Friday was this devastating day because I understood that no matter what effort we put in, it was too late for some, right? It was already too late for some and it has been too late. You know, it has been too late for some, um, and that it's a, it's, it's going to continue unfolding. Like there our lives we will not be able to save. There are interventions we can't make. And living inside of a nation that is so dedicated to being at odds with the rest of the world when it comes to these things is so complicated mm-hmm. too because I, I've i been listening to the stories of some of the hostages that were taken and that they were peace teachers and that they were people who were activists and working for justice and and knowing that I can put myself in those shoes of like what it means to live inside of empire that is causing harm Mm -hmm. and possibly be the victim of that harm, you know, coming, coming back. Um, So yeah, it's been a, a big swirl. And the thing I said to Morgan, which I, I really been practicing is like, how can I make my heart soft and expanded and not let it shrink to the size of my oppressor Mm -hmm. and that that feels like important work, but all of that has been swirling through. And then today I woke up and I just felt this solidity, like solidarity is lifelong work and there's urgent moments inside of it. We're in an urgent moment right now, but I'm dedicated for my whole life to understand what it looks like to be in solidarity with humans who want to survive on earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. That's, those are my peeps. I know and yes. um, so I can really feel that strongly mm. in me that I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to always do this until mm-hmm. I die. And Mm -hmm. I hope that I do it in such a way that at least one person joins me, you Mm -hmm. know? 
So yeah, yeah that's that's you. how I am today. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to be able to like my notes are right here. Like I said, I've got pages of them, but <laughs> I love one one part of your emergent strategy uh, book where it it's like a ver- it's like a paraphrase of what you just said. You know, it's like yeah. uh, like trusting how you're in the world and the work you're here to do. That's right. Because I I feel like when you talk about the ego kind of element coming in that does connect to the grasping and like, I'm going to fix it all, right? I mean, that's yes. what creates, that's the small response, that's the smalling, the smallering response yeah. to, like you said, the empire, you know? Is that, is that's that right. good connection? It's like, it's like yeah. I will, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. it's also, it's also the way empire lives inside of me, right? Mm-hmm. So empire is the part that thinks I should run the world. <laughs> yeah. I should run the world. Yeah. I know what the answers are. It. I'll fix it. I yeah. should control the whole thing. <laughs> oh, and yeah. so under pressure, because that's what I've been living inside of my entire life, under pressure, there's a part of me that's like, I know what Israel and Palestine need to do to figure this out. And mm-hmm. I know how, you know, I know, I think I know. And it's so young. It's so impetuous. It's so wrongheaded, right? Like these are older cultures, <laughs> mm-hmm. ancient places and in a big cycle. And what I do know for sure is how to be in relationship to sovereignty of indigenous peoples. What I do know for sure is how to see the imbalances when they exist in our world. Like I can I've always been able to tell that, like, since I was little, I've always been like, that's not fair. Something's not fair. You know, something's not adding up. Something's not fair. And I think the hardest thing for me is always to see where I'm benefiting from the not fairness. Mm -hmm. Like, can I still see the unfairness, even if Mm -hmm. I'm benefiting Mm -hmm. from it in some way? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that feels like the American conundrum right now is you know, as I've been watching these two weeks of people being like, I can't look at it. I don't want to, I'm not going to tune in. I'm not going to call my Congress. Like I I don't, it's too confused. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I'm not going to get involved. And the privilege of that to be like, I am a taxpayer in a nation that is going to do this thing and I don't have to look. And like, we've really perfected that capacity to be like, I can turn off that part of my social media and I can go about my day and other things are happening, right? Like the WNBA finals were last night and it was exciting. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like, that's also happening. Musicians are making music. That's mm-hmm. also happening. And there's the rest of the world where other genocidal campaigns are unfolding. That's also happening. And So there's a way that I have to like widen myself out that I'm like, what I'm experiencing is not the only experience and where do I need to be met by others in it, right? So the place I've landed this week has been, I have the social cachet and I have a position and, um, and you know, my nation is showing up with Israel. My nation is showing up with Israel that's covered, right? Mm-hmm. That's covered. That's covered. But mm-hmm. what is not covered is this this other component, which is what I deeply believe, which is that no people should be living in prison. I'm an abolitionist. Like anywhere, I don't believe anyone should be living in prison. Mm. But then particularly, I don't believe that people, you know, here in the U.S., I, I align with indigenous peoples because I'm like, oh, you don't, you shouldn't have been pressed into these tiny reservations. That was such a, I mean, Mm. it's just a devastating thing to live on a genocide all the time to walk around on the land that still remembers who lived here and loved it. And so I'm like, when I see that happening anywhere in the world, um, yeah, it's, it becomes fairly simple then to just say, oh, well, there's something here Mm. and I can lend my platform to it. That's right. And I've had a few people reach out Mm -hmm. to me who were like, okay, that helped me or listening to the conversation with Lara helped me or listening to the conversation with Morgan helped me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what I want to be able, that's what I want my impact to be. It's just like, can I open someone's eyes? Can I help someone understand something about this kind of solidarity about interdependence? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I think, you know, it was so deep knowing I was coming to talk about this. We're all going to die. You're going to die because, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
there's this that beautiful quote, like if you're coming to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you're coming because you know that your mm. destiny is tied up with mine. Yes. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Um and Lila. Oh geez. I know. The last name escapes me. But I will look it up. <laughs> I could but, too. Yeah. I got yeah, that quote. Yeah, so saved. but you know yeah. that quote, right? Mm-hmm. So um I've been sitting with that that I'm like, I'm not there's the peace around Gaza, around Raza, around understanding what's happening there and, and wanting to stop that genocide. And then there's also the part of me that's like, this doesn't unfold well, right? Um, it doesn't unfold well for the region and then it doesn't unfold well for the world. Mm-hmm. And so Lila Watson, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it doesn't nice. unfold well for the world if you have this region escalate into all out warfare mm-hmm. and the U S trying to be involved from where we are. And that unfolds, you know, there's nuclear weapons, there's all kinds, there's that unfolds, it unfolds and it unfolds. And I'm of the belief that we have a very tiny window right now to turn and face climate crisis. And that that, should actually be our primary focus as a species is like mm-hmm. we need to get in right relationship with our planet right now. Mm-hmm. Like we are out of alignment. It's already going too bad and we need to figure out how to survive together. We don't need to add world war three on top of that. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah, what's that unfolding. That won't help. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's not actually going to help us. <laughs> we are already going to be dealing with that because of climate refugees and the tension that's going to come mm-hmm. as people have less and less yeah. livable land to be on. And, you know, whenever people are fighting about land, I'm always, I always have to also humble myself to that because I'm like the whole earth is ours to protect and to be in relationship to, and we're going to have to be migratory to survive what's coming Mm -hmm. because what's coming is that we can't expect the kind of climate, um, patterns and, and, you know, oh yeah, it's always spring at springtime. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's not. It's already not. <laughs> oh my God, right. And it's like right changing. here. It's like 90 degrees in San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. right? The, the, so yeah, land uh, getting smaller. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, right. It's like there's this band of livable mm-hmm. space and we already see people, yeah, having to, on a collective level, abandon the island that they live on or abandon the coast or abandon things. So I'm, I'm like, how are y'all not focused on that? How are mm-hmm. you, you know, how do you have the, the time and the space to be in this other practice? But then it reminds me, I'm like, we're all living parallel lives. We're not tied in yet to think of ourselves as a species. And so we don't operate as an organism. We operate mm-hmm. as many. And, and that I don't think is going to end by the end of my lifetime. So my work is to keep being like, okay, how do I help us tie in more and more to each other? Mm-hmm. So, And that's when you yeah. said coming into this conversation, thank you for all that. Mm-hmm. Very nice to just be and listen to you. Um, when you said like, we're all going to die. I mean, that's what you're tapping on, right? Is this like, yeah. this is a shared, <laughs> this is, this has always been a shared eventuality, by the way. Cause I, cause for me, it's yeah. like mortality and death is a truth teller. It's like yes. the, this, you're going to die. We're going to die. People are going to die. It, it's not yeah. separate from what's happening in with Israel and Palestine, right? Because no. that's the truth teller. It's like, what is death telling us there? That's what it's telling you know, it's us. It's teaching us like, something right now and we can miss it and we miss it. We miss it so often. And you're talking well, and about it is too, the especially shared, thinking about the value yeah. of death, mm-hmm. like the value of a life and the value of a death, mm-hmm. you know, it, even little things where I'm like, Oh, the one six year old boy here, Wadia mm-hmm. being stabbed to death. It, we can wrap our minds and our grief around one death. Mm-hmm. And I can see people getting opened up by this one death. And then I can see the cloud, the fog come in when we try to wrap our minds around thousand, yeah. three thousand. It just like is almost 000. a shutdown. You know, yeah, I mean, I don't like, know for you. Much. It's like I can't, you know. Right. I, I, I see I, like, it happen. I see it happen. Down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's I probably a smart human thing 
to be yeah. like, I, we're not meant <laughs> yeah, to be it's, just it's, living in, you know, horrific oh, genocidal times. I mean, it's, but, it, 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 it's smart and it's the survival aspect, right, that we talk about. I know somatics and your, your work with somatics and your belief in somatics, there is that like, yeah. we have the inclination to turn away, you know, and To turn and away, to close in, to protect right, ourselves, which makes total to dissociate. Sense. Yeah go take a bath. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there's a way to do both things. Right. And I've lost a lot of people this year. This year has been a year, mm -hmm. you know, some years are like that. And I think it might also be part of aging. More years mm -hmm. will be like that, but it's been a year of a lot of death. And, um, some of it was like, Oh, I saw it coming. And some of it has been a major surprise. And the thing I keep saying to my friends who share these deaths is, we're, we have to live that much more. Like we have to live that much more fully, that much more freely, that much like, let's stop wasting any time and let's mm. get straight to it. Yeah. If stuff is not working, stop mm -hmm. lingering in the not working. And just, it's like, I, you know, I've cut off some things this year that I was like, it just doesn't work. Like, let's stop suffering. It's not working. Let it go. Let it go. Get to the thing that works and like dedicate your life to it with much respect let it go, find the things, find what gives you joy, find what brings you aliveness. And for me, being in solidarity in with other people brings me aliveness. It always has. I can feel the usefulness of it, even if we don't change the mind of a given politician in a given moment. I can feel what happens by the building up of people being like, oh, there's something better over here in our togetherness. Uh, but also making music. I've been singing so much through my grief yeah. and like songs that I know I will never share with anyone else. They're just, because I am alive, I have a song in me and that song is going to come out. I've been writing poems that will never be read by anyone else, but they're just helping me mm. process what's happening. Right. Um, and then being alive, like I went to visit a friend of mine who's Palestinian. I just got to play with his kid and just be alive for a little moment with them. And, um, it, that matters to me so much is that in the face of death, in the face of so much to grieve, that I take the time to grieve, I take the time to cry, but then I find the places where I'm like, okay, that's part of aliveness. And also I'm not dead yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're right. not dead yet. <laughs> that's right. So how are we going to live this mm, day? Yeah. And, and so much of this feels like the like, well, how do I fill, how do I fill the world in response to devastation, you know, yeah. uh, uh, genocide, uh, personal loss, you know, yes. death, like people that you love. I, I so love that. I mean, I don't want to so heavy handedly be like, well, let's, let's connect that to emergent strategy. But I've been thinking a lot, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about that because think I'm thinking like, what if, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. maybe I won't, maybe you can connect it, but my, mm. my understanding through your work and your writing it is the like thinking there is emergent strategy in going now and, and call me out right on all the things I love in your book when you're like, I'm open. Like as long as you're open, let's have the dialogue. Like if you think this is wrong, at least be yeah. open and then, you know, meet me where I'm at and let's talk, yeah. you know? But, um, so that's all that it's true of this space as well. But I'm yeah. thinking like going over to your friend's house and playing with your, the, their child, this yeah. is the like simplify like, who are you in the world right now in relationship to everything that's going on? It's not, it is not disassociating to me, right? I mean, like you're, that's there's right. a, there is a leaning in happening, but it's, but it's a simplifying in the same way that I believe you remember your work with your plat, your use of the platform you have yeah. to uh, magnify voices. And, and yeah. you, you described it this way just now in the like, I was going through all the like ego stuff and the grasping and the like, I can lead the world and make everything correct. But what happened is you, it seems to me that you mm -hmm. maybe pulled back and simplified, you know, and that probably started with just like, how am I feeling here? And, and yes. looking from that place and realizing, remembering. Because yes. all your literature is platform, most of your literature is platform work, right? It's like, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure about pleasure activism and how it ties in with cancer and cancer patients, yeah. but I'll get you someone who, I'm going to bring someone in but here. here's someone who does. That. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Well, and I love the idea that anything I don't know, there's someone on this earth who does know that or who has a solid idea and I can approach everyone as a potential teacher of something that I don't know 
or of a perspective that I can't articulate clearly enough or something that I haven't tried yet. Um, you know, because I think these moments can be there. Life is confusing and it's confusing to have so much incoming all the time. I think life maybe has always been confusing, but I think at least when I was younger, I think there was an idea that like the internet and my education and like, you know, certain work or whatever is going to make it all clear for me. And it just never quite did. Certain pieces have become clear for me, but mostly I just get more and more questions. Uh I get more and more humbled. I get to be like, I'm not going to change the world the ways that I thought I was. And that's okay. Um, How am I still going to live a good life? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what can I risk? That's a question I ask myself a lot is, you know, I think if you listen to the Morgan conversation, Morgan kept saying, what would, you know, first Morgan said, my ancestors would not have wanted us to wait until we felt like total clarity to take action in solidarity. Mm. Right. And then, then was like, what would you want for your family? Which is a, I think about this all the time when I'm trying to figure out what I want to do (laughs) is I'm like, how would I want someone to treat my nibblings? How would I want someone to treat my parents? How would I want someone to treat me if they, they were trying to move to justice and they saw me as being in the way? How would I want to be treated? And that always helps me. But there's mm-hmm. also something that's like, I'm not going to always get to know. Like I'm literally not going to get to know all the time. And so then something else has to become available, which is, has always served me, which is I'm not in the pattern by myself. I'm in relationship to a bunch of people. And I think I've done a pretty good job in my life of making authentic connections, even if they're short, even if they're passing, you know, I'm like, oh, we just passed by, but I was like, I was really here and you were really here. So Mm -hmm. we really connected. Mm -hmm. And then you can call on that, you know, years later when it's like, I need someone to give a context, you know, for A-Rock, I reached out to another friend who is a huge teacher of mine and has like really helped me find my place in my body. And that person was like, oh, Lara is the person to talk to. And I was like, yeah, mm. that, you know, so it's like, I think, I think the meaning of a life is in the relationships of that life. And it could be the relationships you have to land, to trees. It's the relationships you have with your family. And then it's the relationships you have with the people that, you're going to have some impact with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only failed lives are the ones where people never realize that their relationships matter, that they matter to other people, mm-hmm. um, that their actions matter. I think that's the only way you can fail in the human experiment. Oh I goodness, think if you realize yeah. that you matter, even if you're making a horrific mistakes, mm-hmm. um, I feel like we're here to make those mistakes and figure something out. Like right now, I think we're trying to learn at a collective level, something about safety that I think some of us already know and not everyone knows. And so we're trying to figure it out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Which is like, what I think we know, some of us, is that walls don't keep us safe, that you cannot fortify yourself into safety. But I think some people still think you can. I don't think violence makes us safe. And I never think it has, but I think some people still think it does. So that means at a scale of our species, we're learning that lesson and we might learn it before the planet gives up on us and shakes us off of her surface, or we might not, yeah. <laughs> you know? We don't, um, it's not clear yet. Yeah. It's not clear <laughs> yet, but I do think the octopuses are watching and just being like, let's see what they do. Cause we, we got next. Yeah. <laughs> we got next. Yeah. We'll take <laughs> we got eight brains where y'all have one. Exactly. So like, we'll, we'll, we'll take it on. Or the whales, my friend Michaela Harrison is a whale singer and she's mm. like, the whales are like, we'll, we got this. Y'all are yeah. failing miserably, yeah. but I feel we that. know how to do it. So Yeah.
everybody. Just a pause for us, you and me, to hang out for a little bit. Just us. How are you? I, I'm I'm listening to how you're doing, knowing I can't hear you, but caring like maybe I could hear you. So just know when I say how you're doing, I know you can't reply. At least I can't hear you reply. But know that it's a genuine question. Like I'm listening to you somehow in some wild way. I'm receiving you here. So glad that you are here. I just need to take a moment to ask you to help us. That, that's, that's a new way of saying it. We need your help. First of all, while you're listening in this next couple minutes while I'm talking and while you're being held by Nick Jana's wonderful music, you might take a moment to rate and review the show. So go into your podcast app and please do so now. You just have to believe me when I say how much it matters to get ratings and reviews, how much it helps amplify the podcast and get people's attention, guests and listeners alike. So just know it matters when you take that extra 30 seconds to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to give them some stars. I'm going to leave a few words. And by the way, if you do leave some words in your review, you might have your name mentioned here on the show and your words read. It's inspiring for us to get that from you. And so then we want to share it with others. So know that could happen, by the way, in the wake of your review. And also, I guess like I don't want anybody to feel like, well, I'm not going to review the show because I don't want to have my words read. Well, just in your review, say <laughs> in your review, say, hey, please don't share this with the public. <laughs> I mean, it's automatically public. So you're probably OK with with us reading it here if it's already going to be on display on the podcast app. Okay, so I digress. Other ways to help. Share this episode with someone you care about that you know this will matter to. That word of mouth, you have no idea how much that matters. If this has meant something to you listening to this episode, it will mean something to five of your friends or family members or community members. Send it to them, and then what'll happen is it'll matter a lot to them, and they'll hear this part of the episode, and they'll say, you know what? I'm gonna share it too. And that's how these things grow. That's how You're Going to Die has grown after all these years. And yes, You're Going to Die is something beyond the podcast. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. So your help in all these ways is so hugely significant. But also connect up to what we're up to. Go to our website at yg2d.com or you can just Google You're Going to Die. We're proud to say that most of the first page in your Google search will be links to our organization and our work in the world. We have a prison program. We have a hospital hospice program. We do events online and off. We make room for grief with community. We do workshops. We have open mics here in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are up to so many things. We want to connect to you. We want to offer you what you might need from our offerings. So please check out our website, get on our email list and stay connected. The last thing I'll say emphasized now by the fact that you know we're a 501c3 nonprofit is your contributions to support this podcast matter so, 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 so much. This podcast, we cannot do it for free. It does cost money. And so we need your support. You can go to our website and click on the donate link, or you can become a patron through patreon.com forward slash YG2D. All of these links will be in the show notes all of these links. So keeping it easy while Nick gives you a little more music to listen to, just go into your app, go into the show notes and click the links that'll be useful for you to support what we're up to. And again, I've said it multiple times already in this episode, but it bears repeating again. We're grateful that you're here. Thank you for listening. also think there's something about the people that I'm in community with are also thinking about mortality and death and life all the time. So there's this song you probably know. The impending mortality awareness society. It's like Rose Cousins and it talks about this group that gets together every week and just talks about <laughs> how the world is going to end and how they're going to navigate it. Oh my like gosh. you, do you know this song? No, I don't know it. Can I Rose tell you one Cousins. of my notes was like, can you sing? I, I can you sing to me? It's not, it's specific. Cause I was like, can you sing the song for Vivian from Grievers? But I'm just, what I'm trying oh, to acknowledge that. is like, Oh, 
like you just sang to me and I didn't even have to ask. I got you. You don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> and that song, it, it, I, I listened to it. It's on one of my playlists and it's so weird because it's like Meg Thee Stallion, Cardi B, Beyonce, and then this song will come on. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> meets twice a week. And it's so gloomy, but it feels like my my heart, you know, that's what my heart feels like is I, I always say, I don't trust people who've never doubted their attachment to life. Mm. And I don't trust people who don't think about death sometimes. And I don't trust people who run away from the deaths that happen in their lives. And I don't trust people who never have any thought of their own death. Right. So for me, I'm like, Oh, I know I'm not going to live forever. I know the people I love are not going to live forever that should shape my relationship to them. It has, you know, I remember my father had a heart attack and survived it. And it really changed our relationship Mm. because I was like, oh, I really just almost lost you. And did I really let you know me? Like, you're my dad. You really want to know me and I am you. Mm. And since then, we've had this bonus phase of relationship that is so precious to me where I get to really see the ways that I'm shaped by him mm-hmm. and the ways that I'm distinct. And I've started watching basketball and I like I let him help me buy a house, like not financially, but like I, I was like, I need your help. I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and that was new. maybe I could have figured it out, mm-hmm. but like asking someone for help who knows how to do something and like loves helping yeah, is the that. biggest gift you can Telling give them. Telling someone you right? need them. You said that you've said I that in your you. books. I need you. I need, yeah, you. I need you. Yeah. I need you. And I, I also am, you know, and I'm needed. Like, you know, he needs me. He needs a good hug. He needs mm-hmm. someone to, to talk to about politics. He needs someone to do these things, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but I, I think that that's the way I want to be in relationship to the world. Like, um, that not, nothing is promised. The next day is not promised. So, you know, I call myself a futurist and I am concerned with what happens in the future, but I think each day as I mature into the future, I recognize that I'm really a nowist. Like I'm really, how do we land in this moment and let this moment be our embodiment of everything we believe. Mm. And I'm really trying all the, I'm like, uh, and you know, for instance, my team, I got on a meeting with my team like three or four weeks ago. I was sick and I was like miserable sick, but I got on the meeting and I was like, I'm, I'm good. You know, I gotta get through it. You know? <laughs> and they just all looked at me and they were like, are you okay? All right, let's <laughs> stop. Adrian is not well. They called it. And mm-hmm. they called it mm-hmm. for me. Right. Because we built a relationship where that's possible mm. and where nothing is more important than the health of any one of us. You know, like there's, we're not urgently working so that we can't slow down and be human. When they let me off that call, I wept just for the care of, uh, like I resisted it initially. I was like, I'm fine. I don't need, and then I, and then I let it in that I'm like, they cared about me enough and about my life and about my recovery and about really my ability to be present. They cared about me enough to make that pivot. Mm-hmm. And it's so small, but it's m- massive, massive actually. Right. I, I mean, by the way, I can feel healing it. Time. Yeah. I can feel it in the emails, by the way, like just, it's yeah, a real thing. You can feel it from I, them. Right? My you. team yeah. is like, they are, mm. you know, and, and they, I think it's, it feels like it's flowing mutually. You know, you never know when you're um, the quote unquote talent, right? You never yeah. fully know, like, is everybody yeah. getting their knees wet? Yeah. But I really am trying to be the kind of talent who listens to my people and sees my humanity and their humanity as pure humanities. Well, just to say like that, that happened is, and, and, you know, they had must speak for themselves, but that, that happened sure seems like yeah. a good sign that like you're given a lot into, into their yeah. lives and their being with you in the work yeah. and, and, and their lives. I actually mean to say that too, right? It's like yeah. we, with my organization, gosh, I hope that we all agree it's some version of that to the point of hilarity, right? Where you're like, okay, it's time to meet. We have an hour to talk about all the things. And then a half hour, 45 minutes of it is taken up because we need to cry because the things we that are going on, <laughs> the things that are going on. <laughs> this world. Uh, how you doing? Yeah. Oh yes, let's make room for it. Um, I have That's to right. ask you though, I have to ask yeah. you, like you said, like 
what's the moment of saying, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Is it just the, like, we have work to do or is there something else in there that comes up? Yeah. I think that it is an undervaluing of my wellness that has generally just been a way that I have functioned. So I think the socialization that I had was if you're a leader, like if you're not, you know, there's always someone in a worse crisis, you're fine, buck up, get it together, show up. And also I'm still unlearning my relationship to urgency culture. So I'm like, I know how precious it is to get my time. Like I know that a lot of labor went into scheduling every meeting and everything that I have. Like my team is so incredible that all I have to do each day is wake up and look at a calendar and just see what has happened. They do everything to make it work and make it work such that I can still spend each morning writing Mm -hmm. and spend each afternoon talking to people. And like they do all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I always want to make sure I'm like, Oh, you all put so much effort into being here. You prepped for it. You got notes, you got an agenda. It's all so good. I don't want to be the one who lets you down just because I mm, what, don't feel sure. good. That's so dumb. Yeah. And then they're like, no, no, no. Like we did all this and all of it is done. So <laughs> when we're ready to have this conversation and you're actually ready, yeah. we'll okay. be in good shape. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, yeah, but I think that, you know, I'm still, I, I think of it all as like decolonization. Like I'm still unlearning the practices that disconnect me from earth and that disconnect me from my body and disconnect me from relationship. Mm. So if I came in and I was like, I'm fine. That's me putting a barrier up between me and my team. Cause they can, they can probably feel and tell I'm not fine, but I'm saying, yes, I am. Yeah, right. And for them to be like, okay, we can tell you're not. Mm-hmm. We're gen- gently pulling that barrier back down cause we can see you. Mm-hmm. And so they don't accept my performance, right? They're like, we can feel the real person And I want that for everyone, right? I want that for everyone is to be able to be in relationships, not where you're being like, everybody's a liar, stop lying to me, but just where you can be like, can we just be how we really are Mm -hmm. and see what emerges from our realities? You talk about, you know, for me, it's like, again, they, the team must speak, uh, speak for themselves, but it's the teaching of what it means to pay attention. She yeah. says like they're the healing that comes from pay attention. pay attention. I mean, they're teaching yeah. you, but that's what you, that's so much of your work is like, and I imagine it's facilitation is like, come in. I'm How, basically we need to start meditating. Paying attention. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I do think that that's our, I think that that's like, if I was like, what's the one clue for living a good life? And it's like, pay attention mm-hmm. and know that your attention will determine everything else about quality of your life, the impact of your life, the quality of your relationships, the quality of your pleasure, everything will be shaped by, yeah, by mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. By the way, mm-hmm. it's wildly, we only have 10 minutes left. Um, Isn't that wild? <laughs> so quick. Um, I have so many things that I could, and 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 I've said this all before. I felt it talking to Prentice and Alexis and it's the people that you can like drop in with so wholly and fully and have both experiences of, Oh, could I talk to you for like three more hours and totally could do it. And it would just be a blink of an eye and like just feeling the whole and full presence and how we get to like generously receive each other in a way that has me even already like, I'm good. Like this this has been, you know, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is like there's, a whole life, you know, rivers running and meeting each other and a whole life in each one. Um, but yeah, I do find that when I'm really present, the time is satisfying. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like a touch, it's like, oh, I always want to leave things such that we want to have more conversations mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Leave <laughs> in my life. More. You know, I'm like, totally. yeah, I want, I'm going to want more of that. Totally. And that is good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. Um, I kind of want to go back to the personal side of, of, of things. And there's a way like so much of your work, it's personal, obviously, but there's a lot of, uh, making room for others to talk, talking like we have about like making the platform and, and giving voice, you know, magnifying voices. Grievers feels like important to me, especially having read all your work. It's like the most notes I have is around like, the grief of oh, it. And yeah. I know there's a magnification happening there too, right? It's like a chance for you to yeah. honor 
lineage. And so I kind of want to call that work in, make room for it. I have some questions, but I also sort of feel like it's bound somehow into like time to acknowledge the losses you've, you've experienced this year. Um, like if there feels like something to speak to or someone to speak to or names to be said, um, I feel like I want to share that with you for a moment, but also Mm. the grievers, this could be just me saying like, I want to acknowledge those losses. Just, i heard you say it and I'm feeling it. Oh yeah. And like the bridge into grievers, which feels like your your expression of grief. I mean the book, that's the book, right? That's the book. It's yeah. you know, it's really populated by ghosts. You know, it's people mm-hmm. that I knew in Detroit and lost while I was living there. Um Grace Lee Boggs is in there. Um Charity Hicks is in there. David Blair is in there. Uh, this incredible organizer who came and went from Detroit named Shetty. There's just all these different people who I loved and love. Um, And so the book was a way for me to kind of time capsule a moment there while also exploring what it looks like when grief has built up in a place so high that the place can't survive, that the people can't survive, that the grief is too much to carry, which feels like it's what's happening every, you know, like that's to me so much of what we're dealing with right now. And I'm actually, you know, it's the first of a trilogy. So. Oh God, thank I, God. Oh my gosh. That, oh, was one, yeah. that was one of my questions. Oh yeah. I hadn't so read that sequel, anywhere, but I was going to be like, there's gotta be something after she more, gets to winter. There's so much more. Great. She gets there, she gets to winter, she bakes her uh, cake. And then there Maroons is the next book in the series. That oh, one is yes. already out. And then there's, the third book, which is going to be coming out. And I've just finished the draft of that and mm. it's feeling really good. Mm. But my friend that died this year is Evans Richardson, the fourth. And I, it was interesting to be like, Oh, I do have this container of this book. Where will I write him into it? Oh my and yeah. like, because I want people to know and to feel him. And I think it's a little naughty in terms of writing practice because you're supposed to, you know, remix your characters until they're not recognizable as living figures. Wait, who said and that? Who said you're supposed to do that? Sp- everybody <laughs> who ever wrote a novel. Dead. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no, like if you do, if you get trained, if you get like okay, yeah, writing yeah. training, you go to writing school, they're like, take the characteristics, <laughs> remix them, change it up, you know? Okay, okay. And, and I've done that, you know, all of my short stories are like characters that I've truly crafted and woven and like, you know, pulled together. I think of all the characters I write as places to explore some aspects of myself. So I don't try to be outside of my characters. I Mm -hmm. I try to get in there and really feel them. Um, And there's something special about being like, oh, like this is a work of portraiture as much as, as much as it's a work of narrative. It's a portrait of Detroit, a certain Detroit that is already gone even as I speak to you now, the Detroit that I fell in love with and lived in for 12 years has already left. Mm -hmm. And now new levels are being built. And that's the nature of cities. That's the nature of humanity. Um, And then trying to make these portraits of that organizing moment and, and then the grief for all these places. You know, when I was living in Detroit, you're basically driving around all the time seeing the city that is and the city that was, the city that is and the city that was. And there's just these parallel experiences. Mm-hmm. And I like to, you know, I got to go back and reread um, Grievers and Maroons as I was prepping to do the third book. And it was, I was, I was like, oh, good job, Adrian. Like I because here you get to visit with your homies. Like totally. I really felt like I was just sitting there and just being like that's so good. Oh, you know, I get to be in the hospice room again with Grace, Mm. right? Because that's where Mama Vivian is and Mm. that's who she is. So, Mm. um, yeah, I hope that, it's interesting to me that other people are reading it and being like, yeah, this is good or whatever. Because I'm like, it's really, it's so, (laughs) because it's so intimate to me that there's a way that I was like, you know, even when I I first wrote it, I wrote it like a Detroiter for Detroiters. Like mm-hmm. there was no description of space. Mm. And one of my early teachers, Tanana Do, was like, where are we? Mm, yeah. <laughs> what does it look like? What does it. it smell like? What yeah. does it feel like? Mm-hmm. Paint Detroit on the page. Mm-hmm. And do. that was such 
good guidance. So yeah, I'm really loving what is possible with grief in the work of fiction. Because every character, every character carries grief. And when you know that, you know that every human you meet carries grief. And yeah, it just softens the heart. gratitude to Adrian for saying yes to being in conversation with me. I love this conversation. So glad we got to have it. It meant so much to me and feels so special to share with all of you. If you want to connect more to Adrian and especially read all of her books, by the way, all of her books, the ones we talk about in the episode here, Emergent Strategy, uh, Pleasure Activism, uh, Grievers, Check out all her books. There's more than that, though. Uh, you can go to Adrian's website, adrianmariebrown.net, to find out more and get to all the things, including social media. Especially recommend following Adrian on Instagram. Sweet inspiration for me and our Monday mortality meme dump. Definitely influenced by Adrian's use of Instagram. So I want to give a special shout out to following Adrian there if you don't already. And I think that's it. Nick Jaina. Oh, show notes. That's uh, all oh, going to be in the show notes. Oh, sorry. I jumped the gun there, buddy. Um, that's all. Okay. Nick Jaina. Nick Jaina. No. Nick Jaina. No. Hello. No. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. What'd you think of the conversation? You texted me that you loved it, but what is it? What is it you loved? What mattered to you? I was talking with our friend Joshua Rose recently uh, because they are a person like this and, and I hate this term and I would love to have come up with another term, but I, I, this is the, one of the deepest compliments I can give somebody is when they are a thought leader. Again, that, that phrase has been co-opted by like other things, but when people are, you know, philosophers generating new thought uh, forms, like, like moving a consciousness forward, it's a pretty rare thing. But to do that, which again is what Adrian is, um, that word blank, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thought leader just sounds so cheesy. Yeah, but I mean, it helps communicate. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just know the feeling you're describing behind the terminology and Thought, like maybe there's a better way to describe it, but you Thought know. astronaut. Yeah. Astro okay. Yeah. Astrothought. Yeah. Astrothought. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Nailed it. That's going to totally work. got it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, like to, to mix that with presence and like mm. real like connectivity um, is, I think, you know, essentially at the heart of emergent strategies of what it's about. It's like you mm. can have all these ideas and you, you can you can be right in whatever way right means. But if you're not present to like the moment and what's really emerging from like a group mm -hmm. or from a, a culture or whatever, then you're going to be missing like fully half of, of the solutions needed, you know? And mm -hmm. so like just in every word that she says, every, every, you know, everything that I hear as I'm like editing the interview is this presence and love, you know, what comes with that, that is so essential to couple with, you know, being a, Astro thought. <laughs> Astro thoughter. Astro thought. Um, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, Astro thinker. Um, yes, totally. I mean, I kind of wonder, my question that immediately comes up is the what it, what, chicken or the egg kind of thing. Like, I wonder if something comes before one of those roles, like how you can be in the world as a thought leader, but for her, maybe especially, it comes from what you described, you experienced listening to her, like the presence, the love, the attention. 
I think what we didn't talk a lot about, but we referenced a little bit, I, I think is what I do a lot when I'm reading books, getting prepared for the interview is probably sometimes too hastily and maybe forcefully creating a bridge between my, I mean, it's what we all do. You know, it's like, how do I relate to this? Like, where does this connect in my life? Thinking of myself and the work we do in facilitation and trying to imagine even between you and I now, like emergent strategy is something that is happening because of how we're tending to the space. Mm -hmm. And that any name, which is maybe why calling someone a thought leader feels strange is because it's a label, but that it's something that comes after someone has a way of being in the world. And Adrian feels like this is how she mostly operates or is committed to operate in the world. And so the thought leader, you know, comes later. Mm. Do you agree with that? Or do you think of it as like someone's a thought leader and, you know, cause like, and I mean, I guess there's thought leaders out there that don't, aren't present and loving. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I would, I guess I can't even speculate on that. I think, yeah, I just think it's a wonderful combination. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they go together. Um, and it is, yeah, it's a way of existence. It's a way of like moving through the world and constantly just being like, why are things like this? And what, you know, like what I think is one of the hardest things for humans to do is seeing what's not there, like seeing what wasn't done, you know, like you could see bad behavior from a, a political figure or something, but to like actually think through the steps of like, what is an alternate path or like what could have done or just in a lower mm -hmm. stakes example, just like, um, like, like, like what, what behavior was not represented here, you know, and like, that ability to see through that and to like imagine those things and like hold a place for how they could exist. I, do, I just think that's some of the most important work a person can do, you know, because mm, so many people yeah. are without models for good behavior. It's it, it becomes like this spiral of like negative behavior modeled in the culture. And then you don't have a, you know, just like a clear example of like how to be a man. If, if you didn't have that in your, life about like how to be a good solid man you know where do you pick up pick that up so mm. i don't know for someone to kind of summon summon that of like what's not seen and hold a loving place for that i think is just mm -hmm. some really important work that, that's just how oh, i would yeah. describe adrian Meeker. yeah i mean that 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 felt like an important I said this already in the intro and, and felt it through the conversation. What's going on with Israel, Palestine, using that as the, the, what you're describing, which is how do we make room platform wise, also accessibility, create accessibility, but also personally, how do we create room during these times? Um, especially when there's something going on, that's like a shared global community impact happening, mm -hmm. um, feeling that immediate urgency to, nowadays, right? It's like, how do you use your social media presence to declare what you're feeling and how strongly you're feeling it and what you think is wrong and what you think is right. And what mattered a lot to me getting to this conversation with Adrian right now was I think what you're describing, which is like, what, what are we learning right now? Like, how are you paying attention? There's certainly like fights to be have and things to be declared, you know, at times. And this certainly is one of those times, but I don't think that can happen authentically and healthily unless we're like making room and space for the, what do I, what do I have to learn right now that this, this is offering a chance for me to do. Um, that mattered so much to me to get that. Cause I felt mm -hmm. like I related a little bit to like, this isn't, I'm enraged and I want to know like the right way to post about it and the right way to speak to it. And, and just feeling all the voices that are being poured into the online space and then feeling that very familiar feeling I've had over the last four years during the pandemic and during a lot of the stuff that's happened in our country, uh, where you're just feeling so angry and upset and so affected by it. And you want to like immediately go to Instagram and say why and say the right thing, you know? Um, but the time to slow down and start to pay attention and absorb just feels so essential. And, and I feel that connection with the work we do. It's like these things we learn from our community that they're going through, especially injustice. It's, it's time for us to like learn. It's time for us to like open and make space. And I, I just so appreciate her giving me that like reminder for what's possible. And then like, as, as our version of it, know that like this episode coming out right now is like a way we get to do that. 
we got to make room right now to have Adrian come in and offer what you just described in a time that like I need it. And I imagine the listeners, some of them out there are like, this is exactly what I need right now. That yeah. matters so much to me. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. I, I, I've said this before, but I appreciate the like extra 10 minutes to like process mm -hmm. some of this stuff and get it like reflected back from you and yeah. Hopefully it's worth your while sticking around and listening to Nick and I get to check in like this at the end. Thank you all so much for listening. Wait, we care. I have oh. something to share. Oh, wow. I this just wanted to show. I don't know what he's going to say, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> I know you're winding up to the end and I just totally. It's great. It. I'm just, this is I just, exciting. I had a text I wanted to share. I got a text oh, okay. from a friend. All right. Um, my friend Alexa texted me Friday and said, just FYI. If I'm ever out in the woods and I stumble across your dead body, I will not scrape you. I'll read a poem and then walk on and tell no one. I was like, wow. Yes. What a, what a wonderful message to get. <laughs> Little context for everybody. Uh, just to make sure you know that uh, in a recent episode, the very last episode with Katrina Spade, uh, we talk a bit about Nick's uh, dead body and what he hopes happens with it. You should check that episode out. Uh, so nice to get the reflection back from someone out there. They're listening. They listen to us check in at the end about these things. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Adrian. We're so glad to be here. We're so glad to be here in your ear. Hope to be in your ear again soon. Until then, bye-bye.